high stick you to breaking down the middle. Here's the lowdown with Low Tide on, on Sports, Sports 1440. Presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com. Welcome to the lowdown. It's just past high noon. Today's show, the Edmonton Oilers could win nine games in a row with a W tonight over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Do it for Linus Omark, you Oilers. I'll tell you more about that in two shakes of a lamb's tail. We're available at sports1440.ca, iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. Text or call us at 1-833-401-1440. That's 1-833-401-1440. We're on Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. And the lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details, plus get $4,000 in Christmas cash. Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Our guest today, Bag Milk from Oilers Nation, Eric Erlinson from LightningInsider.com. We have a sponsor for our rumors segment. Very thrilled about that. And we are delighted that you join us now. And as usual, I say hi there. I'm Alan Mitchell. And here is the star of the show, Declan Kruger, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I have a, a wonderful way to get into I have show. a question for you. And then I have a big question for you. Okay. In the first segment. Are you ready for this? And just so you know, I've already let you know that I am under the weather a little bit today. And I gave you the option of, of me not even being here. And you said, Al, we'd love for you to be here. So if you're in any danger, you were aware of my condition before. I, I was. And for everyone out there, he wanted me to host. And I said, no, Al, I can't do that to the listeners. We need you in there. We what I said here. was, just grab somebody off the walking down the mall uh, pedway. Same thing as, as you or I. You did. You said, can yeah. you get literally anyone besides you yeah. to host? And, and I said, was, ah, you should probably yeah, just do it. Ah, to hell with it. I don't feel like working today. <laughs> Uh, bag milk from Oilers Nation, Eric Erlinson from LightningInsider.com. Okay, Oilers on a playoff spot this morning. If you're any of the top te- teams in the Western Conference, you want the Oilers to slide into second or third in the Pacific. Facing Edmonton in the first round would be a nightmare for Vegas or for Colorado or whomever because they're they're a good team. They just had a terrible start. And tonight is a big test because they're, they're 4-0-0. They got two more home games on this stand. And if they could get to like 5-1-0, I think you got to be happy. If they went 6-0-0, it's party time. But I, do, I want them to do it for a different reason. Do you remember, this is going back, I'm going to say, 12 years ago, maybe more. And a young Edmonton Oiler winger named Linus Omark scored a goal against Tampa Bay in the shootout. He did one of those wild Euro crazy things, and he scored. And the Lightning bitched and moaned after the game. I mean, it was almost like they wanted the goal disallowed. And I've never seen in my life professional hockey players bitch and moan about anything more than that. So in honor of Linus Omark, who, by the way, is still an active player last time I checked and playing well in Europe, maybe... Maybe the Edmonton Oilers win for, win for Linus tonight. And I know my media brethren, who are very supportive of Europeans, uh, will join me in saying that. You know, I just I just have a little aside here while we're on the subject of Omar. Declan, do you ever think to yourself, my goodness, I sure wish I could be mature like that low-tide guy. Al, I always think that. Funny you mention that. Let me tell you a story. When the Oilers first drafted and signed Linus Omark, I said, 
oh my god, is his name really Linus Omark? And I was I was thrilled, so I started calling him Linus the Penis. You remember Elvis Presley when Elvis was brand new in you know like a big star in '56, and then when I was a little kid because my mom had the records, his nickname was Elvis the Pelvis. And so I thought I could do Linus the P word, and everybody would think it was fun. But the Oilers, I remember they put out a a like a media a, a, like release saying it's Linus Omark, and it, nothing hurt me more than that because my immature grade four potty mouth nickname went the way of the dodo bird, which is also a thing. So the next time you say, "I wish I could be mature like Low Tide," Declan. Remember, that's not necessarily what you should be aiming for. Do you have any story like that where you maybe you nicknamed Mrs. Andrews, I don't know, something? No. My grade one teacher was a woman named Mrs. Norman, and I loved her. And one day, I was in grade one, and I heard the grade three kids. She walked by, and one of the grade three kids said, there goes iron pants. And I was so upset, I cried. <laughs> I remember weeping. Look at you, little teacher's face. Oh, my God. I used to fall asleep, and she'd let me sleep. What a sweetheart. And I'll tell you, when you're in grade one, those third graders might as well be college kids. They might as well be, With how mature right? and big and cool oh, yeah. they are. And they, like, you know, they exchanged lunches and stuff like that. We never got to do that in grade one. We remember? Did you ever have quiet time in grade one? Yeah, we had it in kindergarten, I think, a lot. I don't know if we had it in grade one as much because I was in that one-two split, and, you know, those second graders had to be learning. But, yeah, there's definitely some quiet time now. Well, I think we should start the uh, quiet time for radio, too. But but not today. All right, we'll do that another time. The Otis have had some good, like 4-0-0. They, they've got a six-game run, two more games they can win, and that would be fantastic. Getting to five is paramount. They're in a playoff spot today. There's all kinds of good news. And one of them is they're injury-free, basically. All of the defensemen are healthy. Holloway's coming back. The goaltending, I mean, Jack Campbell has struggled, but let's be real here. Stuart Skinner has righted the ship, as he did a year ago. And as I predicted, people on my blog are not Stuart Skinner fans. I don't understand it. You know, the guy, for two years in a row, he's at a same percentage of 914 or better. And he's on his way to doing something good again this year. He got off to a, a slow start. The team didn't play well. He was not at his best at the beginning of the year, but he's playing well now. This is a big game tonight for the Edmonton Oilers. I wrote about the Oilers making a deal at the Athletic. They have enough assets to do it. But who do you, like? and I think they, maybe they need a goalie, maybe they need a right defenseman, maybe they need a center or a scoring winger to replace Connor Brown. I don't know. We'll find out between here and the deadline. My question for you is, who do you think makes the final decision? Because Ken Holland's the GM, and Mostly with GMs, unless it's like we're assigning Zach Harmon, uh, Zach Hyman for like 5.9 times 1,100 years. Is that okay? Then you got to take it to the owner, right? And I get that. And Holland's made good deals. The, what, what, what just happened there? Oh, I just absolutely threw my phone against the ground by accident. One what, second. What? Yeah, just probably. Just I'm the one the who's not at 100%. You've got to be here for me, buddy. Holy, it scared that living bedoodly out of me there. Well, I, I was trying to take it out of my pocket and put it on the uh, the counter here. 
absolutely just rocketed it rocketed it into the is ground. it okay like is it gonna work now it is fine i'm a okay. i'm a caseless phone guy but it's not uh no smashes no broken screens so we're flying isn't it funny that i'm also a caseless one what happened was i couldn't decide the day i got the phone and so i said i'll come back but guys we just never come back we just keep going completely unaware that we've forgotten or didn't think of it if the owners have to make a deal who's making the final decision because i think that jay woodcroft might have been fired by the ceo and I think Jack Campbell might have been sent down with help from the CEO. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's worth discussing. If you would like to, call us at one 401 and we'll talk about that today. Declan. Yes. I need you to put your college football brain on for me right now. Okay. I know it's a gigantor thing. Happy to do that. You will never guess what the athletic review suggests is the top the top bowl game on this current schedule right now. You'll never guess what they have ranked as the number one game. Well, I mean, the way you're saying it makes me think it's not the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl because I think those are the two that are going to have the most eyes on it. Could you give me a hint? It's one of those two. Okay, well, in that case, the Rose Bowl. You're wrong. It's the Sugar Bowl. Wow. Washington versus yeah. Texas. Okay, interesting. And everybody, they have uh, for this, seven writers, four taking Texas, three taking Washington. What do you say, sir? I think I... I Two-hour show. Yeah. I tend to lean Washington. I just think they're a bit more complete of a team. I think Texas, I mean, Xavier Worthy's great. Quinn Ewers is great. They're put together well. But I just think when you look down the entire roster, down the entire the entire depth chart, the coaching scheme put together by Kellen DeBoer, I just think Washington is a better team through and through. And Washington can win close. You know, Washington, they had close games down the stretch, including the Oregon game in the Pac-12 championship. They can win close. They can play through adversity. They can get it done when it's tight. And I think that's going to be the edge. Because I think these bowl games are both going to be close, these two semifinals. And I think Washington has the edge. They know how to play in tight games. Alabama, Michigan, they have seven riders again. Five say Michigan, two say Alabama. What say you, sir? I pick Michigan. All right. You like Oregon over? Liberty? Yeah. Yes. By, by, a, by a lot of points. You like Tennessee over Iowa? Yeah, I, I probably. I'd probably take Tennessee in that one. I, like, Iowa just can't score the ball. Like, what are you going to do? You you put up, like, you want to know a fun stat about Iowa this year? No. They had more punting yards than they had offensive yards this year. And they finished as the 17th ranked team in the nation and played in a Big Ten championship game. They live and die on their defense, but they just can't score the ball. Mm-hmm. There you go. If I say to you, Iowa, Iowa football coach, who, who do you think of? When when you say Iowa football coach, yeah, no like, one really comes to mind immediately. Not Hayden Fry. I guess that would be the first one, but like I just like they don't have a standout the way like a Bama or an Ohio State or a interesting like Texas interesting. does for me. Okay. I mean, I I only asked that question because you know I was curious. They don't seem to have the. I guess like sorry. I guess if I was gonna give you an answer because I didn't really answer the question at all. I guess it would be Kirk Ferentz. Just because, like, well, he's been there for yeah. Right? That's what I'm yeah. like. I guess, but I don't. No, like I don't associate them as like coaches. You, you know, the same way I do Kirby Smart at Georgia, Saban at Bama, whatever it is. Uh, you know, I I did at one time watch a lot of college football back when I was younger and had more time. 
And I always liked Nebraska. And they had a guy named Tom Osborne, who was the coach there. And they were really good. Nebraska, I mean, they oh. weren't the most exciting team, but man, they were fun to watch. They, they were they were the cream of the crop back in the day. Late were. 80s, early 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. they were yeah. the team in the country. Yeah. I was a big Washington fan when Warren Moon was there. And then when he came here, it was like, holy mackerel, how the hell did they not draft him? I know. It, in hindsight, that one's pretty crazy, hey? When well, you look at there's all the a reason for it that leagues. nobody talks about, but sure. it's pretty damn clear. All right. So, by the way, uh, Dom Lashishan, one of my favorite writers at The Athletic, has a, a fascinating work up right now uh, that involves an item on Evan Bouchard. It's called 16 Stats, Rangers Contenders, Brock Faber's Defense, Sam Reinhardt's Contract. Evan Bouchard is in there, and it's worth a read. Low tight. What about Oscar Sunquist as fourth line center from Scott? You know, a friend of mine, I, I actually I consider him to be a really good friend, Bendelson from my blog, asked me that earlier today. So I did have a brief look at it, and I'm going to say that that's a really interesting player to to target. Big body, veteran, making league minimum. This is from Scott, but he's right about all of it. I had not had him on my radar, but that's a guy. Quiet time for radio. I think Jim Rome is on board. You know, when I first started back on the air doing sports after taking a hiatus when Top 40 went away from the properties that I was working at to get into sales, and um, I replaced Jim Rome on the old station, on the old sports station. And in the first, I'm going to say, six months, there was so much upset that I was replacing Jim Rome that I started to impersonate him. Do you know how to impersonate Jim Rome? I don't think I could do it well enough where I would try it. You say the same thing over and over again with different emphasis on different words. And then when you're done doing that, then you say something very similar to what you said originally and you do the same. Okay. That doesn't sound that hard. I will not go to work. I will not go to work. And then you do something else. I no, do not I will plan not on, exactly. go to work. And then when you're done all of that, you go, I have no plans to get into the car and drive anywhere. And then you do that over and over again. I love Jim Rome, by the way. He says stuff that I could never say. If I said it, I would be in an office for 11 hours and then the police would come in. But Jim Rome, because he's on a you know nationally syndicated show and all of that stuff. Have you ever thought about going blue on a podcast? Going blue. Like saying bad words, swear words, which we can't do here. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much it would enhance what I have to say anyway, especially in like a sports. I don't think I could. Like I, if I yeah. was doing a podcast and they'd say, say whatever you want, I'd probably just do what I do because I've done it for 43 years. I was going to say, like, to me, obviously I haven't been doing it nearly that long, but it, it wouldn't add any enhancement for what I have to say. I don't, like, I don't think it would ever get my point across better, so I don't really have a need to do it. No. Yeah, I, I I think we're not the blue people. I think there are blue people in this building, though. LT five three or four two waters. I do not make predictions. I predict the sun will come out tomorrow. That sooner or later, Mark Pouliot will play in the National Hockey League, and that if more people watched musicals, the world would be a better place. All of that is true. Okay. Do you like musicals? No. Okay, take your time. 
Yeah, they're just a little like. Just take your time to think about. You know what? Let me tell you, I like grease. Grease is the word. I don't mind Footloose. You're the one that I want. Ooh. Would you say Flash Dance is a musical? Why not? Did you see the dance scene? Yeah, I, do, oh I don't like. God. I don't like musicals in the theater. It's just never been my thing. Wow. I saw Robert Goulet in South Pacific in Calgary years ago, and it changed my life. And I'm not even lying to you. It, it was the most powerful vocal I've ever heard in my life. And he was like 110 years old. I don't have any idea what he would have been in his prime. It, it, probably people wept and then dropped to their knees and gave him money, even on the street. That's how good he must have been. All right. A little off topic. It sometimes happens on this show. On the way, Eric Erlinson from lightninginsider.com will join us. We'll talk about a, an unusual year for the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440, a leftover from Twang Tuesday. Well done, sir. Are we calling that folk today? I'm never sure. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick, 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Say hi to Doug and to Mary today. Joined now by Eric Erlinson from lightninginsider.com. Inconsistent season. Every time the Lightning come to town, I I look at the stats and I go, look at those, you know, uh, five-on-five uh, outscoring numbers. Not so much this year. A little bit alarming. What's happened this year for the, for the, to the Lightning for them to be a little off of their usual pace? Well, defensively, they just haven't been up to par. You know, you look at the number of high-danger chances in the areas of the ice that the Lightning give up chances in the areas of the ice they turn the puck over that leads to odd man situations. That's kind of been the story of the year, you know, and they don't have the depth that maybe a couple of years ago they had to outscore their errors. You know, and that's kind of what they did, especially in that 18, 19 season when they, you know, kind of set a lot of records that season, uh, they just don't have that depth this year. And uh, I, I think that's showing uh, Andre Vasilevsky's return helps, but he's not back up to being the Vezina caliber guy. He is at this point after just a, you know, a couple of weeks back from the back surgery. So um, it just, it's the biggest thing is it has been the uh, the defensive play because their five-on-five five numbers are, are not very good at all, as you just referenced. Well, and it's like like it's off the pace by quite a bit. I'm looking at uh, uh, Victor Hedman's expected goal share at five-on-five, five, and it's like at, at 45%. And this is a guy who, you know, like it's 50s, 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 50s. Like, it's like... Elvis, Little Richard, and Jerry Lee Lewis. It's 50s all the way through. <laughs> What's happened to the to the great Victor Hedman? Well, I don't think it's necessarily him per se. Uh, they just have not been able to find a reliable partner for him since Jan Ruda left town. And, you know, Jan Ruda was never going to be a Norris kind of guy, but he, you know, Victor Hedman is such a unique player that guys that skate with him have to know how he plays because of how much ice he can carry, how uh, the freelance abilities that he has and, and that be able to read off that. Jan Ruda was really, really good. You look at the numbers when Ruda and Hedman were together and then when anybody else was paired with Victor Hedman, uh, it's, a stark, uh, it's a stark difference uh, between that. So they just haven't been able to find that partner for him. And I think that whoever he's been with has kind of pulled those numbers down for him because he's kind of back to skating the way that we're used to seeing him skate. Uh, he's back to you know, being that type of player, but, you know, they just haven't found that guy on the right side for him to be a consistent, steady partner. You mentioned, uh, you know, the, the obviously teams that have success, they can't keep everybody, and you've got to kind of replenish it, and you're making bets and not all of them work out. So it is a very difficult thing to do to, to run a dynasty, and I think that's what Tampa Bay was. 
uh, and may still be again. I'm not sure. But uh, how much of injuries like impacted, say, the last 18 months for this team? You know, not drastically, the injury-wise. I mean, you know, obviously Victor Hedman's, uh, you know, he's missed the last couple of games, and uh, Andre Vasilevsky missed the start of the season. Uh, so I don't think it's been the injuries. I, you know, you look at the roster turnover, I, I think from the team that won the 21 Cup, which only two years ago, I think there's only seven players left. I mean, it's just an unbelievable amount of turnover, which, you know, is going to happen in today's salary cap era where you can't keep everybody. And uh, so I don't think it's the injuries that have had as much of an impact as has been players coming in and out and, you know, a little bit of a revolving door since that 2022 run of the cup. I mean, Andre Pallotta has gone and Alex Kalorn is gone. I just mentioned Jan Ruda gone, Blake Coleman gone, Barkley Goodrow, Yanni Gore. I mean, you got on the list and guys that were such key parts of this team. And it's just not easy to refill those spots and get the same type of contributions that you got from those guys. The the team itself, Eric, has like the youngest players are 25 years old, according to Hockey DB. Brandon Hagel, uh, uh, Gatchev, uh, a couple, uh, three or four younger players, uh, or at least less established players in the, in the NHL. H- have we finally reached the end of them signing some guy out of the queue and nobody knows his name and then ends up being an impact player? <laughs> we'll find out. I mean, Alex Barboulé is kind of in that category. He was an undrafted, uh, undersized player out of the queue. Uh, who's been a terrific player at, at the AHL level, hasn't kind of found that groove at the NHL. This is his first really sustained opportunity with the team. He's got some good offensive ability. He just hasn't been able to show it to this point, so maybe that's the next guy. Um, you know, But, yeah, those those guys are hard to find, right? Like Yanni Gord is that category. Yeah. He was kind of let go by the Columbus organization. and, and I'm sorry, Marsha Show was, was the Columbus organization. Yanni Gord was let go by San Jose, and they signed him in, and he becomes a key contributor to a couple of the Stanley Cups. So, uh, diamonds in the rough are hard to find. They've done a tremendous job of being able to do that. Uh, but uh, at some point, the well does run dry, and, and maybe we're at that point now. The Lightning, for me, are a, such a fine organization because they, they, they would acquire a player with some assets who had some term on his contract, and it allowed them to kind of, I guess, get ahead of other teams because they had more good players on the team. John Cooper was part of that and obviously had a lot of success, and he's a guy who... I mean, I think they won 46 games last year, so let's not, you know, send them out of town too quickly. But how has he reacted? Because he's a bit of a hard-ass coach, right? Uh, he, well, he kind of has a little bit of him. He's more of a player-friendly coach. Like, he'll criticize players, but he'll do it in a manner where you're not putting them down, right? Like, it's he kind of has that personality about him. Um, but, uh, you know, he's a guy that is just he's used to winning. I mean, you look at his track record. Not only do his teams win championships, they make the playoffs. It, you know, only one year here at Tampa Bay has the team not made the playoffs, and that was in, when your injuries did kind of slow them down uh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, but he's won an AHL championship, a USHL championship, a Stanley Cup, a couple of Stanley Cups. Uh, so he, he's, uh, he's not used to having teams like this. But, you know, where they're at right now, and one of the things against them is the number of games played that other teams have, um, games in hand against them. That's something that they're going to have to figure out because – even the 1920 season, and I know COVID sort of disrupted it, they were kind of a middling team around December, and we weren't sure which direction they were going to go. They got on a tear in, in, at the end of December and into January. Um, so he has a track record being able to kind of smooth things out and get them pointing in the right direction. So he, just, he has that ability in him, but he does it in a manner to where it's more of a constructive criticism more often than it is just kind of tearing guys down the old school mentality. He's definitely a new school mentality type of coach. I want to spend a couple of minutes, if I can, Eric, about 
just talking about about because he's such a great player, Nikita Kucherov, who's who's thirty now, and I don't know if he's speeding up, but it sure seems like it. He's a highly productive player. He's wonderful to watch. He does things that are damn near impossible, and and I still don't think he gets, you know. I don't think he gets the kind of credit, maybe even though he's famous and everybody knows who he is and he's had great success uh, and won a heart, I still don't, I think he's better than people think he is. I, I would totally agree with that. I think he kind of gets lost with the, the Hedmans and the Stamkoses and the Vasilevskis uh, down here in terms of name recognition. But, you know, I, I've, I've sort of used this analogy a lot of times, but like when you watch Connor McDavid, he wows you at live speed. When you watch Nikita Kucherov, you have to go back and watch it on tape to make sure you saw what actually happened because he's just so subtle with some of the brilliance of his game. You know, I go back to the, the cup run in 2020. He had a play, I believe it was in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Islanders, where he just turned the blade of his stick, just kind of flattened it out just enough to ramp a puck and put it right in the path of Braden Point. I mean, who even thinks to do that, let alone execute that kind of stuff? He's just so brilliant with the subtleties of his game and the deception in his game um, that uh, I think it's because there's a lot of subtlety to his game that maybe it doesn't get recognized as much uh, because you don't see it. It doesn't show up as much on the highlight reel as maybe a Connor McDavid going end-to-end on the rush uh, can certainly do to guys. But uh, he is a brilliant player. Uh, he works so hard at his craft. You know, He's a guy who built a synthetic rink in his garage so he could skate during the summer. He didn't leave town. Uh, when the Lightning were eliminated in April, he stayed in town and worked almost every single day. You know, you know it's, it's the old LeBron James commercial. Everything you see me do is because of everything you don't see me do, and that's kind of where Nikita Kucherov is. Eric Erlinson, our guest from Lightning Insider. I wanted to ta- talk to you about the Seattle game. I saw Pittsburgh do it last night, too. They got it out of win. They, they, they were in peril a little bit, and they found a way to, to in, uh, shoot out, win a game. And... Tampa Bay, they sagged, I think it was in the second period. They looked not good, yeah. but they found a way. And I guess that's what you hope if you're you're cheering for or coaching or whatever a veteran team like Pittsburgh or Tampa Bay because you know that it's not as easy as it was when everybody was in their prime, but you also know that there's no give up in this team. Yeah, and, and that's the you know with the leadership they have in there and, and the core that has won championships with this team they understand sometimes what it takes to win, and you got to make sure everybody's kind of pulling in the same direction. And, and they did that game in Seattle, too, without Victor Hedman in the third period. He left you know, towards the end of the second period and didn't return, so they are able to pull that out, win it in overtime. And uh, you know, overtime, though, has not been their friend this year. Uh, I think they're 2-7 and seven in overtime this year, which is a stark contrast to a team like Toronto, uh, which has really fed off that extra point. So it, it's great that they have that ability to dig down deep to find a way. Uh, they just need to follow through with it on a more consistent basis. You don't like falling behind. And the Lightning actually, I think, scored the first goal in five consecutive games now. Uh, so they put themselves in front, but they just have to hold it. They have to maintain that consistency, you know, from start to finish because that's been another issue that they've had, especially in second periods. You know, they sagged in Seattle on Saturday. They sagged uh, the other night in Vancouver when they had a really good first period uh, and then let Vancouver have control of the game after that. So that's been a big part of, of why they're at where they're at the standings right now. Any injuries we should know about that will impact that are that are newer or anybody coming back? Uh, well, we'll see about Victor Hedman's status. He missed the game the other night with an upper body injury. He was named. He was uh, touted as day to day. They made a roster move today. They called up Sean Day, uh, the defenseman down in Syracuse, uh, which might be an indication that maybe Hedman's not ready because he is left shot D. Uh, so other than that, it should be status quo. It should be pretty much the same lineup as we saw 
uh, on Tuesday in Vancouver uh, tonight against Edmonton. Always cheer for Sean Day. I'm glad he's back in the league. Thank you, sir. Okay. Be well. All right. He's always really good, Eric Erlinson. You know, he just, you can ask him anything. He's got a well, I could, I could have gone down to the farm. I was going to ask him about Syracuse Crunch. If you're a Lightning fan, I bet you follow him and I really appreciate him. He's, he's, a, he's a good man and he's very, very diligent. Fine writer, too. I mean, I haven't had a cup of coffee with him or anything. He might be a terrible conversationalist. I don't know. But this stuff, the important stuff, he's got it made. Jim Rome getting punched in the face by Jim Everett is the reason I love the Rams so much now. Well, he, he, like, Jim Rome really did push him. Like, ordinarily, I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not in favor of punching media. Uh, but he, like, he would not, he would not give in. He almost to the point where, where if he hadn't done it, Everett would have been. You know, I mean, he already is famous for that, which is kind of unusual, but. Good day, gentlemen. Were you aware, low tide, that Robert Goulet graduated from Victoria Comp High School in Edmonton? Cheers from Andy Cheddar. I did know that. I didn't know it was Vic Comp, but I did know that that he was, you know, he spent time here and he went to high school here. Can you imagine that? You know, you're walking down the hallway. You're like in grade 10. And Robert Goulet's coming the other way and he's singing Some Enchanted Evening. I mean, that's pretty cool. And just everyone around him knows, like, hey, this guy's going to be a star. Watch out for this guy. Maybe that's why Mrs. Andrews, maybe she taught him, and she's like, this guy's not going to be Robert Goulet. Oh, if she taught him, we would have heard about it. <laughs> you guys are nothing like Robert. <laughs> would have been every second sentence out of her mouth. Declan, you're a card. Okay. On the way, rumors. There's lots going on, and we have a sponsor. We're going to make a big fuss about it next. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Powered by Wolf GMC Buick and former Edmontonian Robert Goulet. Goulet used to spend a lot of time out in Barhead. Do it for Robert, Declan. My dad is 94 and drank beer with Bob Goulet many times at the old King Edward downtown. See, this is what I love about Edmonton and about radio and about Edmonton radio is it six degrees of Robert bloody Goulet in 2023. Love it. When I saw South Pacific, I uh, went back to the radio station like two days later. And I, that when you see a musical and you like musicals, there's songs in them and you sing them out loud because they're fun. And they're, and there was one called, I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair. And I was walking down the hallway singing that, and people were looking at me, Declan. It was, they looked at me as strangely as you look at me sometimes. But I, it was okay. How it, was that version? It was the it was short time notice, first one I pulled, and I noticed it was a live version. Was that okay? It was the Goulet version? Yes. Very good. Okay, good. What a voice. Oh, incredible. Yeah. Like and just, dap, dapper. It, listen, I was oh, no, playing it off a video. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Was yeah. he ever? Yeah, I know. He's a good-looking man. No doubt about that. Time for Rumors, brought to you by Michener Allen Auctioneering. The next public-timed automotive RV auction is now on. View on-site, then bid online at info at maauctions.com. 
Now tell me Robert Goulet was at a Mitchner Allen auction, and we've really got a story. Kind of wrapping it all in a bow. Robert Goulet sang the anthem at WrestleMania six when I was in Toronto back in 1990. When I was growing up, Robert Goulet had his own TV show. No rap, please. <laughs> How is rap still catching strays like this? Like we didn't even we played Ian Tyson Navajo Rug and Robert Goulet's Summer Chanted Evening. Still hammering on the rap. Wow. That came from Laredo. Honest to God, I did not see that coming. They're in a station on this side of the Dixie that competes with the music of the low down with low tide. Congrats, Declan. Have you seen uh, Will Farrell's Robert Goulet impression on SNL? I probably have. There's a show either called The Weekenders or what the hell is the they? But there's a a young man at the playground. His name is Mikey, and when Mikey sings, he sings as Robert Goulet. So it's very powerful. It's a funny show. That's it's the one with uh, Spinelli. Is it the girl? I love her. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Recess. Recess, that's it. Love that show. With Mikey, remember he'd sing like Robert Goulet? Mikey Blumberg. Mikey Blumberg. Yeah, it was a great one. Spinelli was my favorite character because, like, she just, she took no crap from anybody. I was a Vince LaSalle kind of guy. Oh, yeah? Myself. Very smooth. I can see you being that. Yeah, we had similar handles on the court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Man. I watched that with my kids. I loved that show. I have an Edmonton journal from December 8th, 1977. Story about Gordie Howe scoring his 1,000th goal. Are you interested in seeing it? From John. Uh, Why don't you send pictures, John? Okay. Um, I'm trying to get rid of all the stuff in my house. And that's like, I did did garage sales all last summer. And I put a big hole in it, but there's more to come. Goulet on The Simpsons was gold. Always. Yeah. I love that the Jets stuck it to L.A. last night. And Velarde got four points. It's pretty cool. Okay, this is the rumors section of the show. And it's brought to you by Mitchner Allen Auctioneering. And I'm not going to say rumors per se. But one thing that I, I, I am interested in is the Columbus Blue Jackets have activated Elvis Merzlikens today. And I just want you to ponder the the thought that remember when the goaltending was not strong in Edmonton and people were bringing out names, Jacques Plante, who has passed away sadly, uh, and guys from Jackman, guys from the city, get that guy. And Merzlikens was one of them. And now when you look at it, you know, I, I, I'm probably going to ask this of um, our friend today uh, coming up at 1 o'clock, bag milk, because I asked McCurdy yesterday, how many goalies in the in the pro system for the Oilers would you start an NHL game ahead of Jack Campbell? He said three. We'll find out what Mr. Bag Milk says when we talk to him in a few minutes. Jacob Zaboral has cleared waivers. This is interesting because the Bruins, the Boston Bruins, are put him on waivers apparently because Zaboral wanted to be moved to another organization and they wanted to see if there was any takers out there. This does happen from time to time. 
I think it happened with Linus Omar, and he eventually got, you know, bringing the, the entire show full circle. He eventually, I remember, I remember Steve Tambellini was by a wheat field doing a press conference, which I don't know. And he said, they said, what about Linus Omar? He goes, I don't know. I've, you know, I've told him he can call anybody, try and work out a trade. Somebody wants him. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, nobody builds up value for their players like the Edmonton Oilers. You know, Sam Pollock, if he wanted to trade somebody, he'd put him on a line with Steve Schutt and Guy Lafleur, play him for 10 games and trade him for a first-round pick. I mentioned when we were talking to Eric Erlinson that I'm a fan of Sean Day. Uh, he's back in the NHL. I think he's played a couple of games in the NHL. He was, um, back in the day, when a player is really good and really young, they get exceptional status if they're if they're just so good. And... Day was one of the ones who did. He he was was in the OHL with the Mississauga Steelheads, like really early on, fifteen years old playing. And you know, I don't know that it impacted his career or not, but he has not had the career what one would imply from getting that early status. He's played two NHL games. He was drafted in twenty sixteen. And I do cheer for him. And I hope that he does really well. I hope he plays well tonight and he has a good career. He's he's 25 years old. It's not like he's 50 or anything. Not my age. Not Robert Goulet's age. Sean Day back in the NHL. The Lightning did sign Ethan Gauthier to an ELC. They, they are like the Oilers in that they need young talent pushing up in the system. They need to sign young players. They've won Stanley Cups. So if you're Tampa Bay, it's not as dire as Edmonton, who don't have a great system and have not won a Stanley Cup. Jared Spurgeon is out day-to-day for the Minnesota Wild. Matthew Nyes is unlikely to return to lineup tonight for Toronto. Timothy Liljegren is getting closer to returning for the uh, Maple Leafs. Dylan Larkin skated with the team in a non-contract jersey for the Detroit Red Wings today. Sonny Milano has gone on the IR. He's an interesting player. Joe Snively. I think Joe Snively has one of the best names in the National Hockey League. If it was the 1950s, Joe Snively would be a character in a gangster movie. Snively. Or he'd be one of the guys riding a car, driving a car in those wacky races, which you may or may not remember. Do, do Have you ever seen the Wacky Races? I don't think so. Penelope Pit Stop? Yeah, no. The something gang? See, what I really should do is lie Muggsy. here and say yes to further the segment, but then you'd start asking me questions about it, and I wouldn't know what to say. Yeah, well, so I got to tell the truth. Don't don't lead me on, because it just we go down a rabbit hole. It'd get if bad you cut me off, of that, then it's the, the best. Like how I just did? Yeah, it's okay. always good. Um, as far as the Edmonton Oilers are concerned, Every day that passes that they don't make a trade, it's better for them. They're getting answers. They've got Dylan Holloway coming back. That's like making a trade. I don't know where he's going to play. My guess is it'll be fourth line center, but I don't know. Uh, because I like the, I think they like Gagne. They like Ryan. Um, they're 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 a funny team. They 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 have a lot of guys who are bit players who are in their late thirties. And so 
you know, for next year, you're like, okay, well, they'll bring in the kids next year. Maybe not. Maybe this is the way they're going to do it. They have, or Adam Ernie's 28 years old, but Gagne's 34. Connor Brown's 29. Derek Ryan's 36. Yanmark's 31. A lot of guys who are long in the tooth play part-time roles or at least depth roles, that's a better word, for this organization. And maybe that's going to be the way it is from now to eternity. Because the idea of auditioning players or having them play in a role from October, November, so that they can help you in, in spring, that was what Jay Woodcroft was doing. And then he stopped doing it. And I wonder if if there's a, a chance that happens in the future where they go back to that. There was a rumor, by the way. I don't remember where I read it. Was it LeBron? No, it might have been Elliot Friedman. I think it was his 27 thoughts. Friedman is using all of the numbers in the 32 lexicon. 27 thoughts, I believe, today. Talking about Woodcroft maybe being a player or a coach of interest for the St. Louis Blues. What would you think if Woodcroft came in and got St. Louis into the playoffs? I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I think when you look at the roster construction, you know, that's maybe where the shock value would come from. But I think Woodcroft's a great coach. I think yeah. he's a coach that can get a team to the playoffs. I said that when he was fired. I understand the firing. But I think Woodcroft is, is right there among the top coaches in the league. His record over the, the two years proves it. Well, and you could say, well, you know, if he coaches in St. Louis, it'll div- divide the fan base here in Edmonton. Look, you don't need to do that to divide the owner fan base. Just somebody has to say the sky's blue. What a fan base is divided on everything. There's nothing Oilers fans are agreeable on. I don't think. There's not one thing. I think everybody wants the team to win a Stanley Cup. After that, eh, not sure. There's some wild takes out there. Stuart Skinner isn't an NHL goaltender. Evan Bouchard is going to get paid too much. Get rid of him now. There's some. I think sometimes people are so contrary and they don't realize what they're saying is is farce. They were bad, but they were they were the underlying numbers were good. The problem was how long can you wait for regression? And they waited long enough. Remember people who wanted to trade Evan Bouchard for a load of hay. Seems like it was. Just a couple weeks ago. Really not that long. Not that long ago. Frank Sarvalli reporting Philip Grubauer is week to week now. That's interesting. Dominic Toninato from Winnipeg is on waivers. Jacob Zaboral, as we mentioned earlier, has cleared. The guy that I wanted for a long time, I wanted the Edmonton Oilers to go out and get from Winnipeg. I really like him. His name is Michael Isamont. And he's like, I don't know, he's six foot, 201. He's not a big man or anything, but he's tenacious. He is absolutely in there, like a dirty shirt. I don't know what that means, but I've heard it before, so I'm saying it again. He'll probably play tonight. Watch for him. I am just a little bit in wonderment about the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
They've always been good, you know, for many, many years. Not when they were expansion team, but they, they've been a good team for a long time. It feels like they're, they need something now. They need, you know what they need? I'm going to say it out loud. It's going to happen. They need Vasilevsky to stop 50 shots and win. And when that happens, you can all yell at me. But that's, that is what they need. What do the orders need? Well, I think they can afford to wait now till the deadline. And that is good news. What I would do is when Holloway's ready, I'd put him in the lineup. They got the problem is now you're stacking and racking people. So you've got Broberg, Holloway, Lavoie, they're they're NHL ready. And I think Olivier Rodrigue probably has earned an audition. I think that Ben Gleason and Noel Hoffenmeyer uh, and Marcus Niemelainen are on the farm, and Broberg certainly, they're they're in that range. So if you're not going to play them, maybe you trade them. And I'm not saying that like to upset anybody. I'm saying you just can't have that many people bubbling under. Eventually, you're going to have to try to get somebody through waivers, and it won't work. You want to get value for them. You always have a lot of players in the minor leagues who could come up and play, and that's a good thing. But at some point, you've got to let them play, as Jerry Doucet said. I mentioned earlier about Dom Lachishan's piece uh, involving Evan Bouchard. And I just want to read you this passage because I think this is, you know, people get mad at me, but I, I think there is some truth to this. He said, Evan Bouchard, very interesting defenseman, arsenal of offensive tools, and a lot of mistakes. It's not abnormal for a young puck-moving defenseman. Seems to hit Bouchard hardest where almost every mistake ends up in the back of the net. That is true. That leads to two extremes. Bouchard is an awful defender. Look how many goals he allows. And Bouchard is a great defender. Look how few chances he allows. Those things are true. And I always say the following. Look for two things. Sample size. We're now, you know, at a point where this season counts. They're, they're they're playing enough games now so that we can go, okay, well, this and this and this are true, but maybe not this. Game 27 is tonight. And even Matthias Ekholm healthy playing with Bouchard is getting to be enough sample. Then you can know. And Bouchard's playing very well. He really is. Now, you need him to sustain it. And you also remember when they slow played Evan Bouchard at the beginning of his NHL career and why it may have taken him a little longer. Let's fast forward to Philip Broberg. Okay, same thing. Ken Holland likes to slow play these young players. It comes at a price. Speaking of price, bagged milk. Unbelievable prices on that stuff. Fortunately, we get value for our guest, bagged milk, and he's on the way. This is Sports 1440. It's time for an update. This is a Sports 1440 update. And for your Sports 1440 update, brought to you by Missioner Allen Auctioneering. The next public-timed automotive RV auction is now open for bidding. Go to info at maauctions.com. 
Eight games in the NHL tonight, including the Edmonton Oilers, who are at home against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Puck drop for that one at 7 p.m. And according to Mark Spector, no Victor Hedman for the Bolts in this one. Maple Leafs defenseman Timothy Lilligren is close to returning from the lower body injury that has sidelined him since November 2nd. And Red Wings forward Dylan Larkin participated in practice today for the first time since leaving Saturday's game against the Ottawa Senators with an upper body injury. Seven games in the NBA today. It all gets going with the Cavaliers and Celtics and the Bulls in Miami. Both of the in the Bulls in Miami against the Heat. Both of those games at 5:30. The Philadelphia 76ers handed the Detroit Pistons their 21st straight loss on Wednesday night, where Detroit matched the longest streak in franchise history. It is also the sixth longest single-season losing streak in the NBA. Canada Soccer has named its three finalists for Senior Player of the Year. Jonathan David, Alfonso Davies, and Steven Esquitillo are the men's finalists for Canada Soccer Player of the Year. Jesse Fleming, Chloe Lacase, and Ashley Lawrence are the contenders for the top female honors. And Week 15 in the NFL gets going with the Chargers and Raiders in Thursday Night Football. Kick off for that one at 6.15, and you can join Brandon Douglas at the Lewis Estates Canadian Brewhouse for that one. I'm Declan Kruger. This has been a Sports 1440 Update.